0: All right, welcome to another episode of New Wine Uncorked and we are stoked that you are joining us this Friday, October 8th. Uh, We're excited because uh, you see the screen where all four of us have been able to uh, make it uh, together. Uh, None of us are on mission. I mean, I guess we're always on mission, but uh, there is some traveling and uh, uh, so we're glad to have uh, Phil back and then Uh, having Jim join us this is the trooper that Jim is look at him it doesn't matter car no car last week I think it was I think it was last week that you were you joined us or maybe it was a week before that this week though we're just excited because if everyone notices I mean I know uh, Kayla probably would notice this more so than me just because I don't know but uh, Jim got a haircut you know and so we appreciate it. Yeah, this is looking good. And uh, and it goes in uh, last week, this week, we've been talking a little bit about uh, self-care and like loving self and then loving the other. And in continuing the conversation, uh, we're talking about this, uh, this idea for the Christian, uh, the Christians talk about uh, unconditional love, this God of unconditional love. And that sounds great. The question is: Is how does this God of all creation um, love me? In the sense of okay, so unconditionally, there's a, a, a blanket that just covers everything. That's cool, but does this God of all creation actually know me, Matt Farlow, right here, 21st century? You know, October 8th, 2021. How does this God of all creation? actually know my name and this is what the christian scriptures talk about this is what christians will even preach about from sunday and yet then when we see marches we see uh things going on in today's culture you wonder where are these christians who supposedly are following this dude who says he's all about unconditional love how does that play out and we have a number of things going on in today's culture where you look and go it doesn't seem like a lot of christians are there because there's not a lot of unconditional love you know, and so what does this mean? How do we know uh, each one of us on here? Uh, the four of us have all um, held or currently holding a leadership position with the church. We've also then um, held or currently holding a position of a in working with a nonprofit or some institution that is about serving uh, the other to elevate uh, the human. So we are involved with this um reality every day of loving the other. How does that take root in our lives though? And do each one of us, the four of us, you know, how have we come to grips with the fact that this God of all creation actually loves me on a day-to-day basis? How do I reckon with that? And how do I wrestle with that? And then what do I do with that? I was reading this one um, article on uh, global uh, climate uh, condition and the author it was not a Christian, uh, and she and he made that clear. But he his question was, when speaking of the Creator, many Christians and even religious people talk about the this greatness of this Creator, the love of the Creator, and then they destroy. They they don't love creation, so there's a disconnect there. How do we? Do we even see this disconnect and What do we do with that in our own lives? And so um, how do we go forward with that? Knowing that we are the beloved or do we know that we are the beloved? The scripture says that, but how do we, because it seems like millions of people, how does this God of all creation know each one of us? And what does this God do with people who don't say that they love him? Um, and Every day, though, like, what is the church? What is the Christian to do with this? Because those are big concepts. Those are big things to talk about, unconditional love. How do we, though, as the church, followers of Christ, people who have claimed to, uh, you know, everything is all about Jesus, Christocentric, how do we, though, live this out daily? Or what are some of the things that hinders us from actually living out the truth that not only am I the beloved, but this God unconditionally loves me? And what are some of the things that you see in your life and, my, you know, around us that we do that make people go can where we can recognize, yeah, I can see where people look at Christian to go, I don't know what God you're following because there's no unconditional love here. So the question is, is when dealing with God's love and unconditional love, how is it that we best represent that and, embrace, uh, and, and how do we embrace it? And then what are some of the ways in which maybe in, in our lives that we actually squash that? in our lives, don't uh, emulate, represent God's unconditional love. Thoughts?
1: I know for me, the first thought that comes to mind is, um, I believe God loves me because the Bible tells me so.
0: (laughs) That should be a song. That'd be a good song.
1: Right. That's where, that's where much of it starts for me. Um, and just, I mean, I wasn't there when Jesus hung on the cross. I wasn't there. And the Bible tells us of what the gospel means in relationship to us. And the story of the Bible and just the response of God to sin and how the old Testament just sets up the notion of the unblemished lamb taking away the sins of the world. And in the new Testament, that becoming fulfilled in Jesus. And his life being just that for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, um, demonstrates that yeah, God God does love us. Um, now, in real life terms, when we see it in our life now, working where I work has become more apparent, and just seeing the generosity of people to help others, um, and just really, the, the 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 implications in my heart to reach out to help others as well. Um, One of the things that I think of in relationship to the gospel is that we become so loved from God that love kind of can overflow in our lives, that we're willing to risk our lives or willing to do things on behalf of the other. And that to me is a demonstration of God's love because I don't think on our own as humans we're going to do that. (laughs) We're going to want to reach out and help other people just out of a nature of a good heart and those kind of things. Some people do that and some people claim that that is, but that's. I believe would be just an indication of God's love flowing through them as well, so those kind of things. So, demonstrations of what the Bible tells us, what the nature of the gospel is, and just seeing God flow through people, whether or not they acknowledge it. So,
2: you know, I think um, I think God and Jesus and everybody is trying to convince us that God loves us. I mean, you know that, I mean, you know, I was, um, we're, we're looking at the, uh, this past week, I was looking at the Old Testament. And when, when um, God takes Moses and the, the Israelites out of Egypt, you know, a week later, or a month later, they're like, we just want to go back to Egypt. <laughs> you know, it's like, we had like, we had like a buffet of all you can eat meat. You know, it's like a Brazilian, you know, they make it sound like a Brazilian barbecue. And, you know, we get all this stuff and, but they forget how badly they've been oppressed. And, but this is an opportunity, you know, and they're complaining. And several times it just says, and you know, I heard they're grumbling. I hear they're grumbling, and so, but you know, but God is still with it, and Moses is still with it. But I think it's about trying to convince people God loves you, and I think that that's the challenge is convincing ourselves that we're beloved, you know. And- and so I was sharing, like this, you know, the last month or so. I, you know, I spend time saying, "Lord, I'm loved, right? I, I'm, I'm your beloved. I'm, you know." And so I think part of it is convincing ourselves that we are beloved, and I think it takes time to reflect upon how we have been loved. You know, what are the areas that we've been loved from? You know, by God. And I think you know, it's um, part of it is trying to, you know, when we can see that we're loved, and and I think that love really is not only knowing that we're loved, but seeing ourselves through God's eyes, right? I mean, seeing that. You know, God doesn't look at me and go, "Wow, Jim, you're really perfect," right? <laughs> you know, but there's something beyond my imperfections. There's something beyond the failures that I do. There's something beyond the mistakes that I've made. There's something beyond, you know, getting in a fight, whether it be my, with my wife or my children. But there's something that's beyond that where God says, "I love you." I, you know, you or you're a value. You're my, You're still my beloved. You know, and so I think that that's you know being able to see that you know, seeing how we can be loved through God's eyes. And I think that helps us in loving others, right? Because when we can see God's love to us through, or God's love for us through his eyes, then hopefully we can see God's love for others or, or, or see God, what how God sees others through his eyes. Does that make so? But I think for me, Sometimes it's just trying to convince myself. It's gotten easier as I've gotten older, right? <laughs> but um, but you know, I think sometimes it's just convincing ourselves. And sometimes you know, like I remember my children, it, you know, and my dad. My dad, how come you don't come to my games? You know, do you love me? And blah blah blah. You know, my dad's like trying to convince my, You know, I love you. <laughs> you know, even though I don't make it to your games, I love you. So I think it's you know, part of it is just God. I think is working, trying to convince us, you know, and that until we say okay. I get it. I believe it. You know, um, I think that's part of that's part of the process. That's part of the steps.
3: Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of overwhelming in a sense when you really sit back and think about like this creator, um, uh, who created the universe, right? Like we are a speck as the yeah. Earth, right? Like this population on the Earth, like there's. There are multi universes, like multiple universes that he created. It just, it when you sit back and you think about it, you're like, and he knows me, like intimately knows me and cares to know me and have this personal relationship with me. It, it doesn't make sense. It, it, it is overwhelming. And so I think wrapping our heads around that is what takes time. Like me, a lowly, like human, you know, Um, but it's really the more you sit with that, the more that I have sat with that, it's, it almost like brings me to tears every time I really think about it because it's so awesome. It's so amazing. There aren't really words to describe that the feeling. I think it is love, like that unconditional love that you feel when you think about that, this Lord of all creation coming down, choosing to sacrifice his life for the sake of me. Um, I'm not, I'm not worth it, you know, but he says, yes, you are, you are worth it. And (laughs) I think so often, like, I have to really, uh, we brush off spiritual warfare so easily. And I have to, like, remind myself, you know, that voice that's telling me, I'm not worth it, that I did this, this and this, you know, and those are mistakes. And I shouldn't be forgiven. Like, God's not gonna look the other way. Or like, I really should not have talked to my husband like that. But he's still gonna forgive me, right? Like, And he does. God does forgive us. And he does because we are worth it. And that voice that tells us that plants those fears, those doubts, those insecurities, that's Satan. And it Mm -hmm. is spiritual warfare that we're dealing with that we don't even really acknowledge because we're so insecure on our own. We don't need that. But he, you know, he just pushes us along like, yep, keep going, keep going. So the more that I sit, with God um spending time reading my Bible. Um I like to work out with you know as a mm-hmm. prayer time. So I have my worship music and like pray through the exercises. Um but the more that I do those things, the more that I spend time with God and just listen, then mm-hmm. the more that I can like you were saying Jim, the more that I can see myself through God's eyes and then hope to understand this Mm. deep and unconditional love that he has for each one of us individually, specifically on such an intimate, personal level.
0: Yeah, Yeah, do you you, you think- Oh yeah, go on Jim.
3: I was just gonna say real quick,
2: Kayla last- So last week we talked about love languages, right? And then uh, Kayla just got married. So was it you that likes to clean the house? (laughs) <laughs> are you the one that are you the neat nut? Okay. So, you know, here's what I was thinking. You know, later and, you, and you're talking about just being in God's word because I think that is so key is that I think by being in God's word we understand how God loves us, right? In, mm. Instead of us coming to the table and saying, "Well, okay, this is what I'm looking for. You know, this is my love language." Um, but you know what? God's not limited to the five to five love languages but i mean to be in god's word helps us to understand language because i was thinking because um you said you know you're one of the gifts is acts of service so getting that house clean making it look you know presentable or even just to be a good steward and then you said and then you also said that your husband it's like leaving notes all over the place right i mean it's like these post-it notes words of encouragement but i'm thinking well, as i was thinking it's like kind of like you know what, if you didn't understand the other person you could be really frustrated to tell it I just cleaned this place up. What in the heck is he sticking in these stupid notes all over the place? For, right? And we, and, we, and we miss that, right? You miss those notes, you know, and you said, you know, what's wrong with you? I just cleaned the house. And you're like leaving all this paper all over the place. And you're like, he's like, well, wait, I just spent time to write. The, did you ever read the notes? You know, so it's like, I wonder how many times, you know, that God is like leaving us these notes, right? And we're just like, so set on, well, I need to get this place clean or that's my love language. And so I think you're, you know, I mean, I think you're right, though. I think it's being in God's word and understanding what is, and it's not only kind of like what is, you know, God's five love languages because the breadth of God's love languages is is immense. And the other thing too, is I think God's love languages are like, you know, customized and personalized to who we are and who he's created us to be. So, you know, I think, you know, I I appreciate that, that it is being in God's word and it is a spiritual battle. Sometimes we don't realize that, you know, Satan's like going, Really? You did that? I mean, how can God love you when you just like, you know, ripped up all those wonderful notes and threw them in the trash. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's just that it really, you know, it really is a spiritual battle. So I just wanted to add that.
0: Yeah. And it's, so it is, it's, it's understanding again, the whole presence, you know, and I wonder though, and in, in, I don't know where each of you stand on this, can we fully know or understand or even um, embrace God's love If we have someone or something that we hate, if we look at someone who is just where we're just like in, whether or not we actually know them personally, or we've seen them on TV, maybe they were storming the Capitol, maybe they were protesting in the street in front of us, maybe they painted BLM on the street in front of us and that, you know, maybe they, uh, are out there protesting for the abortion law, you know, and they want it to six weeks and no abortion. Right. And so whatever the case might be, but whatever they're doing, whatever they represent gets me where I'm like, man, if I saw that dude, I think I would, you know, I would be okay with some physical violence. If I have that in my heart, can we truly accept God's love for ourselves?
1: I think what's really cool about God's love, it's, it's, you brought it up earlier, it's not conditional. It's not Mm. conditional upon us. It's not, yeah, we have hate in our heart for others. We can, but that doesn't change the fact that God loves us or Him demonstrating His love for us. It changes how we recognize and respond to His love, definitely, but not necessarily, but not at all that He is pouring His love out for us. And that becomes the thing where, you know, regardless of what the other person has done, and it's a trip because the more you know, when I when I replace those acts of what other people could have done to any one of us, um, that God still His love can still overcome those things, and that becomes the the And I think Kayla, you really were kind of bringing this up and thinking about just the overwhelming nature of God's love. Is it the fact that, yeah, man, we we yes, we do we can do. You humanity has done and will continue to do just crazy atrocious things, but yet God's love is there, and God's love can overwhelm, and God's love can still change that particular individual if that person opens himself up to it, and so that becomes a thing, it's unconditional, as we brought up at the beginning, that yeah, can we fully understand it? No, that's going to hinder us from understanding it, but God's love hasn't changed.
2: Yeah, it's like um, I was talking with somebody that, you know, they're, they're in this, relate. they had a really good relationship um, through high school, through college, really, really close friends, good friends, got married, um, have children, um, and they're going to different churches, right? But the, but the views of those churches are very, very different. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, to the point of, you know, Christian nationalism, that, you know, mm-hmm. those type of things. And we're having this conversation, and they're saying, I really struggle with that, because I just don't want to be around that person. I mean, I just, you know, we used to be friends and I see that we're friends, but I just, because of the views, there's just this tension. Um, and I just don't want to be around that person anymore. And I feel, you know, and and they said, oh, I feel bad. You know, I feel bad because of that. Right. And and so, I mean, that brings up a great question. You know I mean? It talks about forgiveness. I mean, are there people that, you know, um, maybe we try to forgive, but, you know, but there's that tension. Can we still, you know, can we still love when, we're not quite ready to forgive when we're working through the process, and so um, yeah. I mean, I think that's a tough part of unconditional love. And I, you know, and what is? That? Yeah. I guess we just learn, right? We just learn. I don't know. What, I was going to say, well, what's the answer? I don't know if there is an answer. I don't know if we could. But you know, there's. I, I mean, it's that tension we live in. You know, yeah. and I think it's. And I think it's like having conversations like this and help us kind of work through those. You know, those things. But those. You know, that's. You know, that's definitely my sister. I'll, I'll be honest, my sister. And I do not have a healthy or have a good relationship. I mean, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a relationship of live and let live. And it's, you know, my brother and I have a great relationship with with my sister and my kids were like, dad, what about this forgiveness stuff? (laughs) You know, I'm like, well, that's for everybody else, but you know,
0: um, (laughs) that's not for siblings.
2: That's right. God unconditionally loves me. And he says, it's okay that I don't have to, you know, forgive you know, but it, and so, but you know, having those conversations and it was hard, but you know, I think, I mean, there is a reason, you know, I think that the fact that to me forgiveness is a gift and, you know, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's part of the problem is you try to justify where you stand with things, but there's that tension, you know, that tension is, you know, if I love myself, why am I having a hard time trying to reconcile with even family members?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and before, I don't know, Caleb, if you had something to say, but before that it's that tension. And I don't know why I have a problem with the saying, love the sinner, hate the sin. You know like this idea of that differentiating between i mean I, I differentiate between what we do and who we are however can we truly do we truly differentiate between who we are and what we do you know so often in, and especially in the american culture with um consumerism uh, we were talking about this you know today's uh, uh, higher education all it's doing is seeking to produce producers you know seeking to produce consumers i mean higher education isn't about, um, thinking anymore. It's more about productivity, you know, and what are they going to come out and what gross national product are they going to contribute to, you know, and how much are they going to contribute to it? So when, when we say love the sinner, hate the sin, I don't know if the American mind, the American heart can make the distinction because aren't we who, what we do, you know? Um, and so even, I, I, you know what I saw, like, and I'm I'm watching these congressional hearings and such about January sixth and everything, and I have a hard time distinguishing between the the folks storming. Like, I grew up with the being taught to respect, you know, my capital and the the presidency and these things, and then when I see what seems to be disrespectful, I have a hard time separating from what I'm watching them do and then who they are as a person you know, and so my brain has a hard time doing that. Am I like, am I off? Or is that the the case for the rest of us to where even when we say unconditional love, I agree with you, Phil, God's love for me is unconditional. I like, it's so big. And I, I don't know what that means. Sometimes, you know, like, because when, for me in my household, like, the, the love that my wife has for me, I really, really know it when there's presence, you know, when we, when we're both in each other's presence and like, if I say something goofy or, or some of my, you know, idiosyncrasies and she just, she loves those. And I love her idiosyncrasies, but I know that because we're in each other's presence. The hardest thing I have with God's love and this unconditional love is sometimes I don't know what his presence feels like, you know, because I, you know, and we're, I was talking to this, uh, some pastors, they were talking about sabbaticals and I'm not really one for a sabbaticals because it seems weird when pastors leave the church for refreshment, it seems like that's the, the opposite of what Christ was talking about is if we need refreshment, you know, take my yoke upon you. Um, he's telling us to step more into his presence. Well, if we need rest and, and revival and relaxation in this stuff, and we move away from the church, then aren't we saying that that unconditional love, that presence of God is not when there in the church. And so that's where I have a hard time. Like sometimes in the presence of people who claim to be followers of this God of unconditional love, I feel the most unloved. And so that makes me just then wonder, wait, am I off a little bit? Because I understand what unconditional love is, but gosh, I can't. I know I'm human and I'm flawed and all that stuff, but shouldn't every day if I am, you know, growing in, in my relationship with Christ, like learn to love more and more unconditionally on a day to basis. And I just find like, sometimes I'm like, I wish I, I knew what that meant, that his presence is here. And he unconditionally loves me because, because I do, I, my, my thoughts just run wild. Sometimes I'm like, there's no way unconditional love. What if that's just our concept of trying to make this God, you know, plausible and even tangible and even relatable, because we look around and we're like, I don't see much love around me, you know? So how do we do like with the reality of the, what we see in front of us?
3: Well, I think, I mean, Phil mentioned this earlier that whether people consciously or not acknowledge it, um, we are all made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we might not see this love all around us all the time, but right when you think like, I, it's, it's always, it's how God works. I swear. Like he is probably one of the most sarcastic, humorous people, like, because it's <laughs> right when you're like, you know, down and you're like, this is so depressing. I see nowhere, you know, nowhere in the church, nowhere around me. I don't see this, this crazy, insane love, this unconditional love. And then, you know, it could be whoever in the grocery store or, you know, at your next haircut, right? Like, that you have this interaction with someone and you're like, yeah, I I don't know if you claim to love Jesus, but the way that you're talking and treating me and acting right now, like you are living out his love. Um, and I think that that is somewhat inherent in all of us, whether or not people want to acknowledge that, um, because why wouldn't it be, right? If this really is the truth, if if he really is the way, the truth, and the life, and if we are indeed made in his image, why would we not inherently reflect that? Why wouldn't we reflect his unconditional love in some form or way, right? Like without even necessarily trying to sometimes. Why wouldn't we? So I I do agree that it's hard sometimes to see that. And I think that it is, you know, also, what you were saying, Jim, where we get distracted, we, you know, it, which makes sense. It's the incurvy toss. It's the sinful nature, you know, of us turning inward on ourselves and focusing only on ourselves and what we need and what we want and what we have to get done today um, and what's best for us. That we miss that. We miss those interactions. We miss mm-hmm. that unconditional love that's right there in front of us. We just miss it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and what's interesting is what you said, and you'll learn this in theology classes: the sin nature, right? We hear the sin nature, and yet what we say is the human was not created to sin. You know, so again, there's this distinction of our, the nature of who we are, but that's not who we are. Like we talk about this that we're sin is, you know, we're born into sin. Uh, uh, it's part of our inherent nature. Like we inherit the sin gene or whatever. And yet, that's not meant to be who we are, right? And I think that's where we're seeing this play out: is what defines the person. You know, um, there's we're we're seeing it play out with the civil rights thing, especially too with the uh, right, uh, rights with the person in dealing with sexuality. Um, either getting rid of gender completely, there's some groups that want to just completely transition into a genderless kind of uh, recognition, which. In, in some sense, does that then wipe away the need for civil rights? Because if we have no gender or no personhood, I would think that most people would say our sexuality does factor into our personhood, who we are. So if we can then even move into that realm, as far as like understanding our nature, is the nature of love, though, more who we are as opposed to this idea of sin? And I don't want to downplay sin, right? I don't want to disregard sin. But there's got to be something where, when we talk about love, that force. If we're talking about this, it doesn't ever say God is hateful or God is sin. So the Bible clearly says, "For those who know God, know love. For God is love." So love seems to have much more of a of, of a prominent place. And yet again, like I go back to you, and and I know that this is a, a a meant for growth. Like the Lord allows us to be tested and tried, and And sometimes I say, uh, when I was teaching theology classes, I would tell my students, the one thing that I wish sometimes God would do away with in me is not uh, anything other than my free will. Sometimes I wish he would just take away my ability to choose self over savior. And yet that wouldn't be love, right? You know, we know when we're raising children, anyone who has raised kids before, you could force them to, to, to behave in a certain way especially when they're toddlers man you can make them do we know though that that's not love and yet some of us like and that's how we treat one another right our love is a very forced love and I don't know how then if we're forcing people into a way of life how that's any different than abuse or or you know it's it's a misunderstanding of, of our relationship so again how do I though Because I think for me personally, you're right, spending those times with Jesus is so crucial to spend them uh, away. But even getting into scripture, as you were saying, uh, Kayla and Jim, you mentioned it too. We have to do that, though, with others who are, are seeking or pursuing this God of all creation, right, this God of love. And that becomes problematic, though, sometimes, too, because as you were talking, Jim, there's multiple churches with differing views, all claiming to follow this dude named Jesus. So again, where's the, you know, in discerning what's in front of me, how do I do that? Because love is such an ambiguous term nowadays. So even when we say God is love, most people sit back and go, what do you mean by love? You know, and so like last week we were talking, (laughs) you know, so how do we best though uh, uh, point people into the direction, not just simply Uh, of God, for sure. You know, uh, Leslie, again, that the missionary and theologian said that the church's main idea, main point is to point people to Christ, you know, beyond itself to Jesus. How do I make sure, though, in seeking to love the Lord, like some of the things that I can do to where then I don't have my selfish, uh, uh, conditioned thoughts, love, be prominent, and overtake this what I was created to do love God and love you
1: I think one of the biggest steps and I've just been thinking about this as we're as we're sharing today is um is remembering that that we're living into God's story that he mm. that he's at the center of the story and not us um that kind of changes the game from all the different perspectives and stuff like that and does not make like where we um where we find a compromise or middle ground or anything like that, but we find where his story is. And and not not, not where we find where his story is, that's not the way I want to say <laughs> it. But the way I wanna say it is that we just know that we're not at the center of the story. Yeah. And I think that's when we when we look at prayer, when we look at spiritual life, when we look at God's love, we're like, oh man, he did all this for me. No, he did all this because this is who he is. <laughs> You <laughs> know, all this out of his nature. What? You didn't do it for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I just it's have about the benefits of who he is. And that becomes how we flow as a Ooh. church. That becomes how we flow as Christians is, okay, connect to where God is going. You know, how is God demonstrating love? Yeah, you're right. We may feel different things about different situations and how people respond to what going what's going on in the world. But, yo, there's a way that God wants us to respond. And when when we spend time in dwelling with him, we're we're really spending time understanding our need for him more and more and understanding that we don't deserve his love at all, but he still chooses to give it to us. That again becomes the overwhelming part of it. Well, we don't deserve any of this, but he chooses to give it to us. It's like, yeah, craziness. And so (laughs) so with that and just recognizing that he's at the center I mean, I think that, that steers a lot of this conversation, so.
3: I think you got messed up because you said, you know, story instead of this drama and he's center stage, you know. Uh, no, but you're right, you're right. I think, you know, we forget. And I think that's also like Satan whispering in our ear, you know, like the, it's about us. Somehow it becomes about us. And we we are on stage. We are with him, but because he has called us on stage with him, he has pulled us on stage with him. He says, "Hey, I want you up here with me," but he is center stage, right? This is this is his drama. He's he's the playwright. He's the main character. You know, like he knows and everything, and and that that's what trips me out. He knows my decisions even before I make them and he still and the outcome and he still allows me to make them because he loves me and chooses to love me unconditionally that it just it and and it's okay that it doesn't make sense which is you know something that I've had to become okay with um but it I'm glad that it doesn't make sense because if I could really understand this god if I could understand how he worked and and understand the depth of his love for me, then would it really be worth it? Would it really be like all powerful? I don't think that he would be all powerful like he says he is, right? If I could understand everything, if I could wrap my head around it, I don't think it would be so unconditional. So, but that's, you know, I've I'm still working through and being okay with not understanding, not knowing, um, everything and, you know, that's okay. And this, this tension that we live in, when we say yes to Jesus, when we step into that, um, we step into this like paradox and we have to live in that paradox, um, which is the hard part.
2: Yeah. You know, I wonder also, too, you know, we talk about God's unconditional love and that are we expecting that we should have that unconditional love, too, right? Mm. I don't think we can. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, we we can't, um, you know, and I think God's unconditional love is based on the fact that we're people of value, that we are created in His image and he created us. And so there's that, you know, again, it gets back to that relational piece. And so, God does have this intimate relationship with us. He he knew, he knew us before, you know, we were even born. He saw us being knitted in our mother's womb, you know, and that mystery of knowing us by name. I mean, he knows the very hairs on our head. You know, uh, Matt, you know, you brought up earlier that, um, you know, what a big thing that God can know me intimately. The reality is, is he does. And that's why I think he can love us unconditionally, you know. Um, and I don't, you know, that idea of, you know, I agree with you. I don't think you could separate. I, I, I I don't think we should separate, you know, love the sin or what, what is it? Love the sinner and hate the sin. But, you know, yeah. and, and that's, that's the, the whole dualism, you know, of life and separating things out is that, you know, we're a whole person and you know, that's, that's who we are. And that's what we do. And so, but I, you know, but I think that um, because God intimately knows us, I think, you know, that's the unconditional love piece of it because of the relationship and that, you know, for us, what we, you know, it, it maybe, you know, part of the challenge is just realizing that we have value, right? That we, that we are people of value and we live out of that. And in the process, even though we see people that are charging the capital, we see people that are doing all kinds of things, you know, that we think that, you know, are of no value, um, that, you know, they're persons of value. And, you know, maybe it is just that building a relationship. But I think, you know, maybe, I, you know, I mean, I know we're to love our neighbors.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But at least he doesn't say love them unconditionally. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, you know, there's not that stipulation. So maybe, you know, maybe I think love is a process, you know, love is that, you know, that process is, it it doesn't happen. You know, we, we grow into love. Right. I was really quickly. So I was at Starbucks in line. There's this person driving in front of me and um, the car, it, it was a long line. We're running late, car pulls up in front. Everybody else moves except the car in front of me. I am mad. Right. I'm frustrated because, you know, when people you know, even though it's a car link, I just want to get. Let's get moving. Let's, I, you know, I feel I want to get somewhere. So then, the car slowly moves up. Person is in there ordering. So she, she's ordering, and I'm thinking, why don't you just have your order ready? But she's like trying to decide when she gets to the microphone. Now I'm really frustrated, and I'm sharing my frustration with my wife. You know, I'm just like I can't really, people like this. This person is here to curse. You know, and just make my life miserable. She's doing it on purpose. You know, um, she took so long. <laughs> that by the time she pulled up, all the other cars are gone. Right. And so we finally pull up and I'm just like, oh, come on lady, you know, and just this whole mumbling and, you know, and then, um, so we pull up to the window, my wife hands me her Starbucks card to pay. And, and the the uh, barista goes, Oh, she paid for you. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, you know, yeah. wow. Yeah. right?" You're, and so pro- it's-
0: You're probably behind my mom. She pays for everyone. And sometimes to be <laughs> honest with you, no, seriously, we're at Starbucks and, super generous. And and, and sometimes I'll be like, dude, okay, like, let's, let's just go. We don't need to worry about it. And she's like, no, 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 no. And and she'll always ask the person uh, behind us, you know, uh, can I just get their, their, their order? And the the barista always is like, well, you want to know what it is? And my mom's like, no, I just want, you know, I just, and, and I could just see them like the, the gym sitting behind us, the person behind us. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what they're going to think when they get up here, you know? And so, well, now, those you know,
2: but, you know, but it just, I mean, but you know what, Though it was a wake up call for me. I mean, luckily I kind of realized, you know, in fact, I told my wife, I said, you know, tell me that I'm, and I didn't say jerk. I used a little harsher word, but I just like, said, <laughs> you know, tell me you're a jerk. And she was more than happy to say, wow, you're really a jerk. Right. And so, but I think being able to recognize that that was just, you know, that was just kind of, that was wrong. Right. I mean, here I am judging somebody, And this act of kindness. So then now kind of our little fun thing to do is when I like judge somebody and then I was wrong, I'll just say, I've been (laughs) starbucked. Reminds me that the person just bought me a latte. I've been starbucked. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but I think it's, you know, when it comes to love, it's that relationship. I think once we get to know or start to engage, hopefully that nurtures, you know, the love that we have, but watching them on TV or hearing what they have to say, you know, you just sit there and go like, (laughs) but like you said, you know, I mean, we the father son and holy spirit it's about relationships you know and i think sometimes the expectation is can we and maybe the question is can we love somebody outside of a relationship can we love Mm -hmm. for somebody without having a relationship yeah so tell your mom thanks for buying me my starbucks
0: I will. I'm gonna tell her. I'm gonna say every time that Jim goes to Starbucks, he's being reminded of people like you, mom. Just this over generous, like, generous. <laughs> but say, <laughs> there's somebody say. that's
2: back there. There's somebody back there complaining about life. But you know what? Yeah
0: and, yeah, and my mom always reminds me. She's like, if this is one little thing that I can do to give someone a smile, then I'm doing what God does to me every day. You know, and so I'm like, uh, okay, I'll I'll be quiet. Yeah.
2: Tell your mom, thanks, I learned my lesson. Yeah. I, don't, I don't judge <laughs> people in Starbucks line anymore.
1: Getting back, Caleb mentioned something a minute ago and I think kind of pairs with something Jim said um, that, yeah, I don't think we're ever gonna fully understand the, the depths of God's love. That's I don't think that we're supposed to. I mean, we're talking about God here. So <laughs> I don't think we're going to understand the full full depths of it. And I don't know, I don't think that we can fully live into it either. We can fully um, copy it or, or, or be like God in that regard, um, but we can strive for it. Um, I think that's part of our Christian walk, is just is just to strive and live into it. And and those places where we get to we're like, yo, this is this seems beyond what's humanly possible to love. It's like, well, God's like, yeah, I got that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so hey, that should be that should be where we should look to and aspire to. And yeah, always be that person in
0: Starbucks that angers Jim. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, and so uh, the theologian uh, Hans Urs von Balthasar, he's a Catholic theologian. He has this, uh, you know, I mean, he brings up this concept, kind of what Kayla was talking about, is the anonymous Christian, is the people acting in a way, you know, uh, more so than people who claim to be Christian, you know. And uh, Karl Barth, the theologian, says sometimes people, the the atheist or the the non-believer, uh, loves more christian than the christian does because they're about the person in front of them and it's not about principles or proving anything it's not about principles or policy you know and so often many of us uh uh you know i'm not i'm pro-life i want people to live and i want to uh babies to be born but if i'm down in texas and i'm talking with someone who is signing on for that I have to allow the spirit to let me see the person and not their policy. And Jim, this is the something that you continue to say and teach that we don't, you know, follow movements, you know, or policies, but we we follow people, you know, that uh, that when we're going to be tied into something. And, um, it's only going to come through the strength of our relationship, because when we are related to a person, it's going to be long standing. Whereas if we're related to a policy, once we get tired of that policy or the next greatest and sexiest and edgiest policy comes up, then we're going to jump to that, you know. Um, and so this is what I wrestle with. We talk about this love. The language, though, that Christians use sometimes says that God is not love. Like, for instance, like church shopping, you know, it's about then. Uh, consumer-driven preferences as opposed to this love for my creator, you know, father, son, and spirit. And so I'm going to churches based on, well, probably their music, you know, uh, probably the preaching, the, the, and not even the preaching, it's the personality of the preacher, right? Or this church is about the policies in which I think we should all be about. And then what we do is, is all of these principles, all of these statements and things become more about what we're pursuing as opposed to the creator of all things. You know, even if I disagree with the, the person who thought that uh, the storming of the Capitol uh, was the good thing, this is the way to do it, I still should be able to sit down and pray for that person, irregardless of if that person believes that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. I still should be able to embrace them. And so often though, I don't because they haven't understood or at least recognized my truth. You know, the only way I can recognize you is if you first recognize my truth. And I'm like, dudes, like the the words of Jesus, like I, I love talking about unconditional love until then when I start reading the words of Jesus, when he shows me what unconditional love looks like for the people around me, I'm like, uh, yeah, that's a little bit tough, Lord. Lord. I mean, you're wanting me to like, Inconvenience myself, good Samaritan. We always, yay, yay, look at this guy. He put him up and everything. Yeah, well, he inconvenienced himself how? By money. He was good because of he didn't really do anything relationally to the person. Like he didn't spend time with them. He paid a crap ton for people to take care of him. And yet we hold the good Samaritan up by, oh, look at what he did. Yeah, financially, how many people are going to put themselves out for? And he says, Don't worry about the tab. I will just pay for it didn't even ask right you know and so that's starbucks in line times a thousand right you know i mean he's like dude jim keep coming back and back and back and don't worry i'll cover it at the end of the month right he didn't even care and that's the thing is like i think sometimes when we talk about this unconditional love it's conditional based on what i think i can unconditionally give right it's based on my preferences just like what church I go to is not based on where the spirit's leading me. It's based on my preferences. And so that's the thing that I think when we talk about this unconditional love, how do we get out of that? Like I am about preferences, right? But how do we, as, as Sarah mentioned, how do we not allow our preferences to rob us of this paradise, this paradise that we were created for? How do I get out of that? You know, like how do I get those blinders off?
3: Well, I think I think it does come back to this, you know, uh, aspect of community because even in the garden, right? Like Adam could not be alone uh, and he wasn't alone. That's the thing. Like he was already with God in the presence of God. And yet as humans, we, we somehow forget that so quickly that he still needed, he still needed this partner. He still needed this other person, um, human connection, human relationship. Right. And so, and, and the more that we dive into that, and we were talking about this a little bit last week too, like I can learn more about how God loves me through my marriage um, and how Chris loves me. And that's the same with any other relationship. We can learn that unconditional love and learn how, like what that looks like for both of us. How do I love more unconditionally? And how do I receive that unconditional love? The more that I, spend time with others the more that i press into these relationships you know like it doesn't matter if you disagree with me right if if i'm pro-life and you're pro-choice i'm pro-life all all throughout life right like i'm pro the whole life not just babies being born so that means that if i'm going to say that if i'm going to say i'm pro-life i got to be pro your life Mm -hmm. i want to be a part of your life i want us to live this fullest you know life which includes jesus and the more that we press into each other the more that we ultimately press into him because we are reflections of his creation we are reflections of his love and that starts with pressing in which is so inconvenient it requires me to leave the comforts of my own home you know sacrifice my time sacrifice my money sacrifice myself you know parts of myself instead of holding up in my safe space in my bubble um, I have to give of myself in order to you know establish this relationship but if I if I look past myself if I step outside of myself then I will be able to experience that joy of the relationship that love within the relationship and if i don't get past myself then i won't ever experience that
0: yeah phil isn't this a part of what uh, i don't know if they, there's a point uh, at the uh the missions of when you're teaching the dudes like to try to get them to see the the profundity the value the beauty of the other or Uh, when they come in do you just is the first teaching is that they are truly like you're worthy of being here you know or is it is it a both and
1: yeah one of the one of the major things because you're coming most of the guys in there recognize they're they're addicted to some substance and they understand they're break they're broken and so teaching them that yeah you're loved by god and and even with this even with struggling with your addiction and figuring and as you're learning to live without it that you have a contribution that you offer to the church that you can give to anyone in this building um it's just part of it's part whole. it's bound to the entirety of the program and the more and more you continue in your program and as you're going to church and building relationships at church we're motivating them hey find opportunity to serve at your church you have something to share you have something that's important that's valuable to to the church community. So that's definitely something that we pour into them from the very beginning, understanding that they're loved by God and they have something to contribute to
0: what's going on. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, that's a great, uh, we're gonna continue to press into that to to learn that they're, we're loved by God and learning then what it means to receive God's love through those that I see in front of me, that you, can be a conduit. In fact, God expects us to be a conduit. He expects us to be a catalyst of his love. And so next week, we want to press into this uh, even further and say, okay, so we're talking about God's unconditional love. We're talking about my role within his you know, great drama of salvation. But do I then allow enough space to actually feel and experience God's love through you do we actually believe that, you know, we're talking about, we can be, you know, move into perfection or, or unconditional love me, but I, do I actually believe it enough to where then when I talk about God's presence, I'm actually open to feeling God's presence through the people that he blesses me with through that day. And so this is the continuing conversation because His continuing to figure out, you know, understanding our role in God's drama of salvation, as it plays out on the world stage, knowing that you are profound. There's no such thing as a small actor or small role in God's drama because God doesn't create anything insignificant, nor does he create anything small. He creates us great. In fact, he says he puts that, uh, that extra uh, adjective in there. The superlative says very. We're not just good. We are very and so he goes beyond, so do I go beyond in seeing your very goodness, you know, and so we want to continue this and so we're stoked that you joined us today the wonderful conversation via our YouTube page and if you see that just go right now to uh, right below the YouTube page and right there is has the like and dislike ha- hit that hit the subscribe button right there below and then go right up to the upper corner there and hit the bell there for the notifications. And that way every Friday, uh, right at 10, you know, we kind of run, Kayla is stepping away from this because she got married. So no longer is she part of the Farlow time, right? You know, when we get married, we just disregard them. She's leaving our family, right? Jim, isn't that what you taught me that we get? No, no, Jim helped me with this uh, ceremony for the, I got the privilege of marrying my daughter, but like he said, it's an expansion. And when we get a chance to marry, like we aren't dividing a family, man, we're expanding it because God's love is expansive. And so we get a chance to play this out. And so every Friday we're doing this uh, at 10 a.m. So yes, we usually start at 10, but like I was saying, the point was, is that we run kind of on Farlow time is a little bit lagging when it comes to being on time because we run on God's time. For those, you know, God's not bound by linear time. And so that's, that's kind of our excuse, Right but fridays 10 a.m pacific standard time we're going to have these dialogues and next week we're going to press into this and see so if you have questions or uh, comments again how then do i receive god's love through you through those in in my life in our lives and so again thanks for joining us uh, this friday it's all about uh, pressing into the love of god so that we can be that love of god so that what happens here on earth peace and good tidings as we press into this uh, Christmas uh, uh, season coming in front of us that we would truly understand the miracle that we celebrate on the 25th. And so for Kayla and Phil and Jim, I'm Matt, and this has been another edition of new wine and Cork. until next Friday. We'll see you on the flip side. Have a good one.